All right. So I think it's everybody. What is up, guys? How are we feeling? Feeling good. Awesome. Well, tonight I am Sawyer. I'm an intern here um, for student ministry. And tonight we're going through some breakout series. Obviously, you're coming in here because you want to learn how to pray or learn more about prayer or anything like that. Um, so yeah, we're just going to be going through what prayer is, how do we pray, and um, we're going to go through the book of Daniel and um, see what we can get from Daniel's life and how we can implement that, his prayer life, into our own life. So prayer is very simply, like you said, talking to God. Um, just a, literally just talking to the creator of the universe. Um, just coming to, to him with anything and everything. Um, just an effort so we can be completely dependent on him. So um, John Piper kind of puts it this way. So he had this analogy. Um, you know, if I, if I would, were to say that I loved uh, my mom or I loved my sister or I loved my girlfriend or I loved my friend, um, but then I just never took the time out of my day to, to talk to them or communicate with them or spend time with them. Um, you know, I really, that's, that's kind of up in the air if I really did love that person, you know, and I think that, that in the same way we kind of do that with God. We're like, you know, God is my everything. God, I love you so much. Like, you are my whole life. But then we go days, weeks, and months without talking to him, spending time with him, spending time with his word. Um, so I, I think that just kind of go hand, goes hand in hand. Um, so now we kind of got an idea of what prayer is. We're going to go into um, how do we pray. Maybe um, it's your first time at church. Maybe you've been a Christian for many years, um, but you're just wondering, you know, I, I don't know the first step to pray. Um, I don't know how to pray. So Jesus actually teaches us um, in Matthew chapter 6 how to pray. So if you have your Bibles, um, you can get those out with me or your app, whichever one. Um, we're going to be going through verses um, 5 through 13. Um, so Jesus is teaching here, and um, so this is what he is saying. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you go pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. All right, so just um, those verses right there, 5 through 8. Um, Jesus is basically talking about what a, what a hypocrite looks like. Um, he says when, when we pray to just simply gain attention or, or get praise from others, um, that, is, that is our reward. Our literal reward is the praise we receive from others rather than a reward in heaven. Um, so next, he, he teaches us how to pray. So um, you can follow along me. Verse, verses 9 um, through 13. So he says, this then is how you should pray. He starts off with, our Father in heaven, hallowed be our name. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So, um, right off in the beginning, um, Jesus starts with just telling us to acknowledge who we're praying to. We're, we're obviously praying to the the creator of the universe, our Father in heaven. Um, and we're just telling him how great he is. So the word hallowed, when it says hallowed be your name, um, can be translated into holy, meaning holy or sacred. Um, so first off, we're acknowledging who we're praying to, and then we're praising God for his goodness and holiness. So then in verse 10 it says, 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So um, Jesus is basically saying when um, he's asking us to surrender our lives to God. So when we say your will be done, we're saying, God, I surrender my life to you. Whatever plans that I have for my own life, um, I know that they just can't match up to your plans that you have for me. Um, and just, just that, that God's plan is ultimately better than anything that we could think of. So that's, that's what we're saying whenever we're saying your will be done. And then in verses um, 11 through 13, it says, Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So, um, so basically we're just, we're asking Jesus, we're asking God to give us our daily bread, which means to just provide for us our daily needs, you know, just being fully dependent on him in every single day. So in a culture that says, let's get this bread, Jesus says, let me get you a bread for you, all right? <laughs> um, so then, and lastly, in verses 12 and 13, um, Jesus says, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So um, Jesus, Jesus says that we should ask for forgiveness for our sins, and then we should ask God to help us forgive those who have sinned against us. So since Jesus came down from his heavenly throne, was born of virgin birth, lived a perfect sinless life, was crucified on a cross for all of humanity's past, present, and future sins, that's us, and lastly, rose from the dead, defeating death, hell, in the grave, um, ul- to ultimately forgive us. That means that we can forgive others because of all that he's done for us. How would it be fair if we didn't forgive other people's sins they commit towards us when Jesus forgave all of our sins, past, present, and future? So then, in the last verse, verse 13, it says, And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So, Jesus is basically saying that we can ask God to help us um, to keep our eyes on him, to help us free from um, temptation every day that Satan offers. Okay, so now we're going to go into um, the book of Daniel. So um, we've gone through what prayer is. Now we've gone through um, how Jesus taught us to pray. Now we're going to look at the book, of, the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Um, and I have a little video that uh, is going to lay out the context and the time period of Daniel so we have a better understanding. All right, so just as the video said, we got a little introduction to who Daniel was, um, what he was about. So Daniel was a prophet, and he was a man of God. Um, he was known as being um, steadfast in prayer, and uh, a lot of people called him a prayer warrior. So he was devoted, dedicated, loyal, reliable, and faithful in prayer. Um, through his life, we can, we can kind of see what it looks like to be steadfast and maybe even become a prayer warrior ourselves. So we're going to go through... Um, two chapters of Daniel. We're going to go through chapter 6 and Daniel chapter 9. Uh, we're going we're to take some practical things um, from the way that Daniel prayed and see if we can implement that into our own lives, our own prayer life. Um, and through this, we might even start to debunk some of the myths that we've started to believe about prayer. So just diving right on in, just as the video said, um, the story starts off right after the Babylonian Empire's first attack on Jerusalem. They had ra- raided the city, um, taken all the Israelites into exile, um, and so in this first way, just as the video said, we found these four friends. We found, um, and they're part of the royal family of David. We see Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, so the king of Babylonian Empire right now is King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and he appoints Daniel and his three friends because he sees that they are not only um, wise, but they are also capable of serving um, in the royal palace of, ba- of um, Babylon. 
So in chapter 1, just as the video said, um, we see the Daniel diet. Um, in chapter 2, we see Daniel interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Chapter 3, we see the story about um, Daniel and his three friends, about Daniel's three friends in the fiery furnace. Um, in chapter 4, we see Daniel interpret another one of the king's dreams. In chapter 5, um, we see the story about the writing on the wall. So now we're in chapter 6. Um, so Daniel 6 starts out talking about how Daniel is appointed of one of the three, um, to be one of the three administrators of the empire. So Daniel's rising in the, in the ranks rather quickly, in the government ranks, and the other officials are kind of getting jealous about it. So these jealous officials, um, they go to the king and kind of butter him up a little bit. So, right. so um, all the administrators go up to him. So they say, so these administrators and satraps, um, they went to the group as a king, and they said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administ- administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors had all agreed that the king um, should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Um, so the king agrees. He issues the decree. Um, a, lot, a lot of people say that this is kind of a pride thing. You know, he, he wanted people to just worship him instead of any other god. Um, so at this, p- at this point, Daniel has a choice. Um, he can either waver to the decree and, and stop praying, or he can completely ignore the degree, decree, risk his life, and stay faithful um, to his God. So we'll see what he does in verse 10. So it says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Um, three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Um, so we can see that Daniel does um, decide to surrender his life. Um, not only did he pray, but he opened up his window, which faced all of Jerusalem for anyone to see, um, not in like a, a prideful thing and a boastful thing, just to show that he was willing to do anything um, and go to great lengths for his God. So with this act, he's willing to risk it all, even his faith. Um, he's willing to risk it all for his faith, and even if that means a horrific death. Um, so this just has to make us think um, about our own lives and what we would do in this situation. Um, so if we put ourselves in Daniel's shoes, um, this decree had just been um, acknowledged and, and put, in, put, in the, put in stone. You know, what would we do? Would we continue to pray to our God um, if it meant death? Or are we, are we that bold in our faith? Or would we kind of just shallow out and kind of just, um, you know, duck undercover um, and just kind of dodge these officials and all, the, all these people and kind of um, just hide our faith? You know, what, what would we do in that moment? It's, it's just really cool to think about. Um, so in verses 11 through 15, um, it talks about how the officials eventually saw him praying, and they reported him to the king. Um, so when they reported him, um, um, this, this is what it says in verse 16. It says, so the king gave the order, and they, they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Um, so as we can see, Daniel is now thrown into the lion's den, um, and a stone is placed over it for maximum security. Um, after the night, um, the king rushes down to the den, and he shouts out to Daniel, has your God saved you? Because this king, he, he liked Daniel, and um, even though he did put this decree, he knew that, that Daniel was a great man and a man of God. So he, again, he rushes down, and he wants to know if Daniel has survived. He wants to know if God has saved him. 
So in, in verse 21, he answers. So Daniel answered, may the king live forever. May, his, may God sent his angel, my God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I, because I was found an innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong to you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him um, because he had trusted in God. So there's uh, a few practical things that we can take from Daniel 6 and implement into our own life. Um, just the first thing is, is we can pray without ceasing just as Daniel did. So in Philippians 4, 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So again, we can come to anything. We can come to God with anything and everything in every situation. We don't just have to pray at dinner or at night when we're, before we're about to go to sleep or um, right before we're about to fail a test we didn't study for. Um, we can literally pray at any time of the day, and we can be in constant communication with God. Um, you know, maybe it's at school, maybe it's at work, maybe it's here, maybe it's um, your small group kids. You're like, God, I just can't deal with this person right now. Like, I need you to, to, to just intercede on my behalf, God. Or um, maybe it's with temptation. Like, God, I just can't guard myself from this sin. Like, I need you to just come down and just help me flee from this temptation. Um, so this summer I got the chance to um, work at Windshape Camps. Um, it was my first time ever working at a camp before. So, <coughs> um, But I'd say this is the first time that I, that I ever had to be fully reliant on God. Um, so this camp was about a 10-week-long camp over in Marietta, and um, it was a day camp. So kids, um, kindergarten through eighth grade, got to come and um, just have a bunch of fun. We had a pool, a lake, um, basketball, football, um, baseball field, all that kind of stuff. Um, but most importantly, it was just for the kids to learn about Jesus. So I was a, a camp counselor. Um, I had to lead like 20, 20 second graders like every day for the whole summer, whole 10 weeks. And um, so like I said, like this is the first time I had to be fully reliant on God. Like I literally could not do this by myself. Like every single morning we had to wake up at 5 a.m. to go out and um, set up the camp and everything like that. And I don't know about you guys, but 5 a.m. for me, like, I had never done that in my life. Like, I usually wake up around 11, maybe 12, sometimes 1 if it's a good day. But um, I, I just, I couldn't eat just that at the start, just waking up at 5 a.m. every day. And then um, just having different kids every week. Uh, there was a lot of crazy kids, a lot of little troublemakers. And um, I just had to come with, to God every single day just asking. Um, in Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. And I just had to come <coughs> to the Lord and just ask for the fruits of the Spirit every single day. Like, Lord, this kid has came to me 10 times today asking to go to the bathroom. Like, I need some peace. All right, I cannot do this anymore. Mouse gets right. But um, just as I said, I just could not do this alone. This is the first time I had to be fully reliant on God. So just like Daniel had full faith, <coughs> and trust in God, and prayed without ceasing, we can do the same and experience what it's like to be in full reliance um, on our Creator, rather than trying to do everything on our own. Um, so lastly, we're going to take a quick look at um, Daniel's prayer in chapter 9. Um, so in chapter 6 and 7 and 8, it talks about more about um, Daniel's visions that he has. 
and then um, and by chapter 9, Daniel's in a place where he feels just flat out confused. He doesn't know what to do. Um, he doesn't know where to go. So he just turns to God in a time of uncertainty. So if you guys can follow along with me. Um, so I'm going to start at verse 4 and go all the way to verse 11. So he starts out, Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away, turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and ancestors, um, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all of Israel, both near and far, and all the countries where you have scattered us because of our um, unfaithfulness to you, we and our kings, our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. Even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws um, that he has given us through his servants and the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Um, so in verse 4, um, all the way to verse 13, um, something that we can take away from Daniel's prayer in this chapter is that we can be real with God. So our God is all-knowing. He's a sovereign God. He knows everything that's going on in our lives. He knows our sin. Um, he knows us inside out. Um, he knows everything. Um, but Daniel still comes to him and confesses the sin that he has committed. Um, and the same thing goes for us. We can do the same thing. But how many times do we, as Christ followers, um, know, knowingly just walk around and wear our sin um, when we know we have a forgiving God um, right there just waiting for us with open arms? You know, how many times um, do we pray and, and go through our checklist and um, ask God to bless our life when we are actively walking around in sin and shame and not confessing it to him. You know, God already knows our sin, um, but it just goes back to the basis of prayer. He wants us to fully be reliant on him, and, and we have to, through that, we have to ask for forgiveness, and we have to repent of our sin. Um, and overall, he just wants a relationship with us. And we don't have to come to him with, with big words or, or clean ourselves up before we come into his presence. Um, we can come to God and be real with him. We can confess our sin, tell him what we've done. Um, and the Bible says in Ephesians 7, 1, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches, riches of God's grace. So we can come to him and he will immediately forgive us when we are in Christ because he died on the cross for us. He, he died for every single one of our past, present, and future sins. And we're forgiven through his blood. So now just to wrap a big bow around this whole thing. Um, prayer is essential to the Christian life. It allows us to be in the presence of God, um, spend time with him, confess and repent of our sins, and ultimately communicate and build a stronger relationship with the creator of the universe. And that's it. We can pray. Dear God, uh, we just thank you for um, allowing us to just come and spend time here, God. Um, we just pray that you would um, just intercede on our prayer life, Lord, that we could just... Um, take some things that, that Daniel did and how he was a prayer warrior, and we can just implement that into our own lives and just um, really see the power of prayer, and that we could pray um, specifically, and we could pray boldly, and we could pray in faith, knowing that you'll come through for us because you've never failed us, Lord. 
Um, We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.